Welcome to the Making Fitness Funner podcast with your host, Masters in Exercise Science and Minor in Reality, William Mitchell. Hello and welcome to the Making Fitness Funner podcast. I'm your host, William Mitchell. Last week, we started a discussion on delayed onset muscle soreness. We all know that feeling of the pain after you've exercised or done some outside work that you're not used to. And we talk, last week, we talked about what you could do to relieve the pain once you had it. And it had a lot of mixed results. There were some things that seemed to work better than others, but you can go back and listen to that podcast. This week, since we had mixed results on what to do to get rid of delayed onset muscle soreness, we're going to talk about different ways to prevent delayed onset muscle soreness. As we begin this podcast, I would like to point out that I am neither a doctor nor a dietitian. So some of the things that we talk about in this podcast are dietary interventions. Some of them are supplements. Any of the recommendations I give you are the ones that are, were used in the study that I read. Most of these items are generally recognized as safe. They're normal things that you can buy over the counter. But please be aware that I am not necessarily licensed to make any recommendations as to what you should take for supplementation. So if you take any of these things, you're doing it at your own risk. Okay, so let's get into some nutritional interventions on preventing delayed onset muscle soreness. If you just look on the internet, one of the first ones you're going to see and one of the ones you're going to see most often repeated is you need to stay hydrated. Slight amounts of dehydration would increase the amount of delayed onset muscle soreness, and it makes perfect sense. However, according to the scientific literature, it's not necessarily true. Um, there were a couple of studies done in extremely hot environments uh, with dehydrated people that were over 2% dehydrated. And it really just didn't make a lot of difference in delayed onset muscle soreness. However, still a good, di good idea to stay hydrated. The next one that's seen a lot in literature is caffeine. Now, this definitely helps reduce delayed onset muscle soreness. However, it does cause some side effects. If you are caffeine sensitive, some of the doses needed to produce to reduce delayed onset muscle soreness may also cause things like a sleep, jitteriness, that kind of thing. So you need to be aware of your own body's reaction to caffeine before you take caffeine to reduce your muscle soreness. What do you do with caffeine to reduce muscle soreness? How much do you need to take? All the studies that I looked at were about five grams, five milligrams of caffeine per kilogram of body weight, which to most people means absolutely nothing. So if you convert it, that's pretty much one eight ounce cup of good strong coffee for each 50 pounds that you weigh. So if you're 150 pounds, you need three good strong cups of coffee. You take it one hour before you exercise. 24 hours after exercising and 48 hours after exercising and it significantly reduces the amount of delayed onset muscle soreness on day two and day three but once again if you have a problem with caffeine you might want to be concerned and scale back the next one that was mentioned was omega-3 fatty acids these significantly reduce inflammation and significantly reduce delayed onset muscle soreness. And you need two to three grams per day. Now, these have a lot of good side effects. If you go back to my 
podcast about fats, you'll hear about the omega-3 fatty acids. The next one, tyrene and branched-chain amino acids. Tyrene is a amino acid, and the branched-chain amino acids, they're very common in weightlifting supplements. And dietarily, they're found in meat, eggs, dairy, nuts, and beans. So you would need about 2 grams of the toluene and 3.2 grams of branched-chain amino acids. Both of these are also available in your diet. Turmeric and several other spices, but turmeric or curcumin, that is one that is really listed as an anti-inflammatory. Also something that will significantly reduce your delayed onset muscle soreness. You need about 2.5 grams two times a day to reduce this. The next one is the isoflavones and the polyphenols. The polyphenols are your colored substances in plants like your cherry juice and your pomegranate juice. Those were ones that a lot of studies were done on. Two glasses of cherry juice a day or two glasses of pomegranate juice a day did reduce delayed onset muscle soreness. Isoflavones are found in beans and nuts and they reduce the delayed onset muscle soreness as well. And those are the main Uh, dietary recommendations. When I looked at that, I thought, wow, so what you're trying to say is if you eat a healthy diet, you're probably going to have delayed, less delayed onset muscle soreness. If you eat a diet that's high in plants, high in omega-3 fatty acids, um, your free range or grass-fed meats and lots of fish and plenty of spices. So I started looking in the literature and see if there was any information about eating junky foods, your foods that were high in processed, high processed foods, if that increased delayed onset muscle soreness. And I found absolutely no information, positive or negative in the literature. I'm going to go on a limb. I don't usually give my opinion. However, I am going to give my opinion this time. It seems like if all of the things dietarily that will reduce whole body inflammation will also reduce delayed onset muscle soreness, It seems that the highly processed foods are known to increase total body inflammation. It seems that they would make delayed onset muscle soreness worse. If you just make dietary changes that are going to be beneficial to your health, you eat more of a plant-based diet, eat much less processed foods, then you're going to have less delayed onset muscle soreness, which means you can exercise more with less pain and it's going to be a upward spiral whereas if you eat a lot of processed foods you're going to hurt more you're going to exercise less and it will be a downward spiral so those are the nutritional uh, interventions that i found one more now it's interesting massage doesn't seem to have much of an effect on delayed onset muscle soreness but foam rolling does Um, Foam rolling after exercise, spending at least 90 seconds per muscle per session has shown to reduce delayed onset muscle soreness about 50%. The big problem with foam rollers is I know a whole lot of people that have a foam roller and I know very few people that have any idea what to do with it. You put your leg on it, you put your arm on it, you just roll it back and forth and you wallow around on the thing for a while. And that's not how they're supposed to be used. There are a few good videos that will show you how to use a foam roller and quite probably thousands of videos that range between either not helpful or harmful if you follow the advice on them. So make sure that you're getting your information from a good source. Trigger Points puts out some good videos. However, I 
fully recommend that you find a trained fitness expert, a, a personal trainer who has been trained by someone who is aware of the latest research on using foam rollers that will tell you how to use a foam roller because most people don't have the slightest idea on how to use a foam roller. And using one incorrectly is really no better than not using one at all. To conclude, if you eat a healthier, low inflammatory diet, if you take a couple of supplements, if, it's, if it doesn't bother you, take the extra caffeine and you do your foam rolling when you exercise, you're going to have less delayed onset muscle soreness. And if you use the techniques that were discussed in last week's episode to reduce even more once you've got the delayed onset muscle soreness, then hopefully you can have a fairly pain-free exercise session. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If I've said anything that you thought was enjoyable or worth sharing, Please refer this to a friend so that they can have more fun in their fitness journey. Also, please remember to subscribe and like the podcast. As always, I'd like to thank One Accord for the bumper music and Paul Sink for the great intro work. And I hope you'll join us next week as we try to make fitness funner.